Our first reading is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our second reading is from Romans 1, verses 16 to 18, 25, 29 to 31, 322 b to 28. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of those who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from the works of the law. Would you pray with me? Father, in this sacred time and space, may our ears be attentive to your words, our hearts receptive to their transforming power. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that there is no distinction? I'm pretty sure that deep down for most, if not all of us, we're pretty confident that we're not as bad as the Adolf Hitlers and the Paul Bernardos of the world. Paul Bernardo just having been in the news again recently. Yet the Apostle Paul spends the largest part of the first three chapters of the book of Romans laying out the severity and the universality of the human condition. We've collected just a few excerpts in our reading tonight. So if you could follow along, if you've got a bulletin, you can do that. There's a a Bible in the pew in front of you. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, you can do that as well. And let's take a little closer look at this uh, interesting, this remarkable passage. We start in chapter 1, verse 25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And who or what they and we worship and serve has a huge impact on behavior. In verses 26 and 27, Paul talks about sexual sin, and then he continues in verses 29 to 31 with one of his classic lists. Paul's famous for his lists, isn't he? Whether it's the works of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit, the nature of love, his lists are justifiably legendary. Here, he catalogs some of the manifestations of sinful human behavior. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. Moving into the present tense, he continues, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. If you're anything like me, instinctively you rate the severity of sin. This list kind of wreaks havoc on my OCD-like need to categorize or list things in chronological order or order of severity or significance. Yet here we have haters of God tucked right in the middle of gossips and slanderers, insolent and haughty and boastful. It seems like a random jumble of behaviors and attitudes, doesn't it? Although, verse 31 does sound like a, a bit of a destination, how we might end up if our sinful thoughts, words, and actions do go unchecked. But the seeming randomness of it all might be part of the point. If the list had a clear order of significance or severity, we might be tempted to think, well, you know, maybe I'm not that bad. You know, I I tell the occasional white lie. I kind of like that other person's spouse or car or, or lifestyle or job. Occasionally, I might, you know, gossip a little, but really it's for purposes of prayer, so it's not that bad. (laughs) Or there's another one that I've heard. I may not be perfect, but... And then we go on to establish our moral superiority over somebody else. But our list today is in the context of, of the conversation about idolatry, 
worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. Whenever our focus, our time, our energy is more on ourselves, that relationship, that person, that thing, than it is on God, we could be and probably are talking about idolatry. Now, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I'd sooner that weren't the case. Because I put a lot of energy into a lot of different things. And I'd rather not, that were not the obvious truth. But there it is. Each of these things in our list alienates us from God and from others. They are what happens when we worship the creature rather than the creator. In essence, sin is rebellion against God. Pride is the original sin that leads us to believe that we know what's best for us and often for others, interestingly enough. God is out of touch with our reality and so we reject divine guidance and seek to make our own decisions, trusting in our own knowledge and our own wisdom. We rebel and a wedge is driven between us and God. Now I can think of a couple of reasons why we often don't take our own sin all that seriously or as seriously as we ought. The first is that we might have a desperately diminished and skewed understanding of sin. Like Paul, we like our lists, but maybe we don't quite have a handle on the underlying principles. When I was in Israel, I heard a story, it may be apocryphal, but I heard a story of, uh, of adhering to the letter of the law. Uh, there's a law in the books in Israel that you're not allowed to raise pigs on Israeli soil because pigs are unclean. Well, a group of enterprising kibbutzniks in the north, uh, people who, secular Jews who lived in, in uh, kibbutzim in the north of Israel, built platforms and raised their pigs on the platforms. It wasn't on Israeli soil, it was on a platform. They had adhered to the letter, kind of missing the principle, didn't they? I'm not sure we're always that much different in the way we approach sin in our lives. See, I just spoke about sin, seeing sin as rebellion against God and that which alienates us from God and others. Lists like this list that we're looking at from Paul serve as flags for types of attitudes or behaviors that function in an alienating way, that function as barriers between us and God. And these flags are important because we're pretty good at kidding ourselves, aren't we? We're pretty good at telling ourselves mythical narratives about stuff. And maybe you've heard or said phrases like this to yourself. Well, this isn't harming me or anybody else. It doesn't feel alienating to me. It's fine. It, it, it's obviously God doesn't understand how well I personally can handle this. Maybe other people can't, but, but I'm good. You know, it, it, it actually draws us closer to each other, not, not alienating. And we don't recognize the distance that builds up between us and God until it seems like a vast, arid gulf. And we're not sure how we even got there. 
But there's a more fundamental underlying reason why we tend not to take our sins seriously. Because the closer we are to God, the clearer our awareness of our own lack of righteousness will be. When we're in that sinful state, we're not comparing ourselves to the holiness of God. We're comparing ourselves to the worst of the human condition. Those of you who were here last week will recall Karen's sermon on Isaiah chapter 6. And you may remember that moment when Isaiah, who by, by the way already was a prophet, encountered God's glory. His only response was, woe is me. I am undone. And even though he was a prophet, I am a man of unclean lips. I say the wrong things. And he recognized his need for purification. So I can see my own sin as relatively insignificant only as long as I don't get any closer to God. Because if I get even a glimpse of God's glory, I will be undone. And that's the infinite loop of regression regarding sin, isn't it? That is what makes the human condition so hopeless. Our sinful rebellion alienates us from God, driving us further and further away from God's glory. And the further we get from God's glory, the less we recognize our sin as sin. And we humans do indeed end up foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And left to our own devices, there we remain, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. But, but we are not left to our own devices. Hallelujah! I realized as I was working on this sermon that one of the grievous consequences of not taking our sins seriously is that God's solution for our dilemma is also not taken as seriously as it ought to be. God's redemptive work in, uh, in Jesus is diminished in its significance for us. I grew up in a faith community that had the personal testimony as a thing. And I know there are some of you here for whom that resonates. We would hear testimonies of people with dramatic stories of dramatic conversions in their lives. They once were criminals in jail or abusers of drugs or alcohol. And then they were dramatically converted and their lives completely changed. Those were the prize testimonies, weren't they? Those were special. Those of us who grew up in the church and didn't have the opportunity to get into that kind of trouble uh, sometimes found ourselves wishing that maybe we had something that serious to repent of so that we too could have a great testimony. In our minds, or at least in my mind, we didn't have all that much to be forgiven. But that sentiment is dramatically in conflict with Paul's teaching here and in many other places in Scripture. Yet even in preparing for this sermon, I realized that I still suffered some residual elements of that way of thinking. And I had to sit with this passage for quite some time before I began to, get this, to discern and experience the wonder and the delight of what we're going to look at now. Though there's a verse break... In the verse where we, between the verse where we started and what immediately follows, there's no break in the sentence, there's no break in Paul's thought, and there's certainly no break in the hope that he proclaims. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Once we as a race have explored the cruel and vacuous depths of being the masters of our own fate, once we, like the prodigal, have dined on the pig slops of venal pleasures, once we've come to the end of ourselves and realized that all we've achieved is dust and ashes and enormous loss and pain, both given and received, we may, by God's grace, be able to see past all the lies and deceit and once again catch a glimpse of the glory, the righteousness of God, and finally be returned to our right mind. Paul talks about the gift of grace. Christian theology, we talk about prevenient grace. And by that, we simply mean that without God's grace already at work in our lives, we couldn't even recognize our wretched state and our need to be rescued. The grace is already there, or it wouldn't even matter for us. Prior to this miraculous inbreaking of God's grace into our lives, we were powerless to choose. We were well and truly stuck. But now, we have choices to make that we can make. The first choice is whether to acknowledge and accept our desperate state in the light of God's free offer of grace. We could choose to deny it. We could choose to continue to insist that we're not that bad, that we'll make our way on our own terms and with our own resources. Maybe if we find just the right self-help book, we'll be on our way. Or we can acknowledge our helplessness, be humbled, perhaps even humiliated by our condition, and accept the gift offered. The next choice is where our focus will lie. Will we, confronted finally with the severity of our sin, our rebelliousness at the core, remain fixated on the mess we've made in our lives and the harm we've done to others, full of shame and self-loathing? Or will we turn our focus onto the wonder and beauty of the free offer of God's grace in our lives? We can wallow in our mess or we can revel in the grace and the beauty and wonder of God's healing, liberating, and empowering gift of grace. We can be captivated by the good news that even we can be redeemed, restored, renewed. And once we've been set free, we have the choice, like the Israelites in the wilderness, to shrink from the glory before us instead of long, and instead long for the appetites and idolatries of the old way of life. And truth be told, not really wanting those things to be purified from our life. Or, we can, with a courage that itself is a gift of grace, dare to draw nearer and nearer to the glory of God, knowing full well that God's holiness is a white-hot fire that will burn up the impurities within us. And it will hurt a lot. We can choose. Empowered by the Spirit, let us continue to choose wisely. And why does Paul, having laid out the wonder of the gift of redemption through the blood of Jesus, 
wrap up our reading by emphasizing in verse 27 that with this path to redemption, there is no room for boasting. Well, it brings us full circle, doesn't it? Pride or self-idolatry led humanity to rebel against God and God's guidance for our race. And where there a plan of redemption that left room for pride, for boasting, most certainly the same thing would happen all over again. Indeed, it has and does in many places in the Christian world. No, in this plan, there is no room for pride, just the humble gratitude of the rescued. My prayer for us tonight is that on a regular basis our lives will be disrupted by a clearer glimpse of the glory of God. Enough of a glimpse that we will be confronted by our proud, rebellious, and alienating ways. That by God's grace we will be undone and we will sorrow over our sin. I pray that we will readily repent and receive the stunning gift offered us in the person and the work of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit will instill in us a courage to continue to walk toward rather than away from God, all the while knowing that every step closer will only expose our lack of God's glory. But that doesn't matter because all that does matter is God and His glory. And I pray that as we do draw nearer to God and are increasingly purified, we will recognize that we are purified for service, always for service. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by, the grace, by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.